The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Overton. I'm your host. Um, we snuck in under the 10-minute mark. But, uh, that's, that's all. That's all on me. 100% on me. I rearranged some stuff in my office and, uh, you know, forgot to set up my, my camera setup and all that before I went to bed. Anywho, if you're watching on YouTube, it is Thursday, April 14th. If you are listening to the podcast on Spotify or wherever, or Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever else you listen to your podcast. It's Friday, April 15th. Happy Good Friday. Feel bad for, you know, you know, it's not a good Friday for accountants because it gets pushed to Monday because of the holiday, but I digress. Joining me to talk about some draft needs as they have every week. And as oh, and buddy, oh man, we're going to see a lot of each other next week and over the next two weeks, Josh Edwards and Christian Posse. What's up boys? What's going on? How's it going, Will? Don't be so enthusiastic. <laughs> like, like you, like you said, we're going to be seeing a lot of you over the next couple of weeks. We'll, we'll save the greetings for next week. <laughs> yeah. Is it? Um, wait. Is the 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 lack of hype around this draft is kind of like making me forget how close we are to the draft? I mean, I think technically we are two weeks. If, again, it's Thursday. If you're watching, we're recording on Thursday. We're two weeks away from the draft. Yes. We are. And, you know, we talk about how because there's a lack of these perceived top quarterback options that maybe it's not going to be as interesting as a draft class. But I actually disagree. I think it's kind of more interesting if you actually follow the NFL draft because you don't know where these guys are going to go. We still don't know who's going to be the number one overall pick, whereas last year we kind of had an idea who were going to be the top three picks. Uh, We have no clue where the quarterbacks are going to go. We don't have any clue which quarterbacks are going to be taken in the first round. So, um, I actually think there's a lot more intrigue than maybe what we've seen in recent years. All right. Let me, um, I don't disagree with that. I think, I think that this is, I think it is a very intriguing draft from a what's, we don't know what's going to happen perspective. I think the lack of skill position guys at the top of the draft just inherently makes people less interested. And I do think that in some, like the small bubble of, you know, podcasting or writing or betting on the draft it's like, I just can't talk about this number one pick anymore. Like, I, I, I just, like, like one of you clowns, sorry, I shouldn't say clowns. One of you high ranking authority figures in Jacksonville make a call and leak it out. Cause the, the latest scuttlebutt that I, uh, that I, well, and I got this third hand. So, and not through Pete Prisco, if you're wondering. Um, but is that like, it's basically there's a bunch of different factions in the Jacksonville, in Jacksonville, where they're trying to figure out, and, and not like warring, but like maybe Doug Peterson wants somebody that Trent Balky doesn't want, et cetera, et cetera. And so that is that 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 sh- that should make it more interesting, but it's also like who cares about Jacksonville? So, yeah, I think uh, the recent buzz is that maybe Trent Balky favors Trayvon Walker, the Georgia edge rusher at number one overall. Whereas I could see Doug Peterson being an offensive guy wanting one of those offensive linemen uh, for that Trevor is, Lawrence. I, look, I'm not, that is pr- precisely, I didn't, I didn't want to like, you know, use somebody else's info and like just throw it around, but that is precisely what um, the, 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 the general buzz is. And like, it is interesting because, so I, I think Hutchinson or one of the linemen is the safer pick. But as you point, as we talked about, like, you know, Trent Baalke is a loves drafting athletic freaks, right? And and Trayvon Walker would be the guy that he would want to take. But if you're Trent Baalke, you have to be careful in this draft about going off on an island and picking somebody like a Trayvon Walker because if for any reason he doesn't work out in the first year and Hutch is blowing up in Detroit or Icky looks like an all-pro or, or Evan Neal is you know, road grading for the Texans, then it's going to be very easy for Doug Peterson to get in Shad Khan's ear 
and grab all the power. So, I, I mean, I do think there are some – and, look, that's stupid. It shouldn't operate like that, but that's just how it works, you know? Yeah, and it kind of feels like the least surprising thing ever that there's this infighting within the, the Jaguars organization. Right. And it's like it doesn't even matter who the guys are, if it's Trent Baalke, if it's uh, Doug Peterson. I mean, look back at the history, how many top 10 picks they've had in the last, like, 15 years, and literally, like, none of them have become good. Um, and the reason I don't mind – sort of going off in this first round pick or first overall pick discussion at the beginning is that we're going to be doing AFC West and NFC West draft needs. And there's like four teams that don't have a first round pick in, 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 <laughs> in, in those two divisions. Um, 49ers, Balky's old team, no first round pick. Rams, no first round pick. The Seahawks finally got one back in the Broncos trade. So the Broncos don't have a first round pick. The Raiders don't have a first round pick because they got Devontae Adams. Um, and then we had the Chiefs with two and, uh, and, and the Cardinals are, I guess, mildly interesting. Anyway. Uh, let's, uh, yeah, I mean, I think, the, I don't I, I, I guess I the other thing too is like, you know, it's like the intrigue surrounding the quarterbacks is will Carolina be, I don't want to, I don't want to insult the Panthers again and get yelled at <laughs> again. So I was saying, will the Panthers be silly enough to draft a quarterback at six with an offensive lineman sitting there versus trading back, et cetera, et cetera. It, uh, it's, I, I think once the draft gets here, it's going to be exciting, but like, Last year, it felt like we just had, you know, it's like Kyle Pitts, Jamar Chase, you know, Jalen Waddell shooting up draft boards. Um, you all got Panay, Yeah, all those quarterbacks, Panay Sewell. I mean, it just felt like it was, you know, there's like the natural intrigue of the of the skill position guys versus the trench guys. And that's, that's just sort of how it works in the fantasy football yep. world. Yep. Anywho, let's get to the AFC West and the draft needs. We will start with the Los Angeles Chargers. Josh, they are picking number 17. What team needs do they have, and who, what, who can you see them targeting? A couple of months ago, I would have said that defensive tackle was one of the biggest needs for this team, but they did address it in free agency. I mean, they went out and they got uh, Sebastian Joseph Day. They got Austin Johnson. So they've got a couple of competent bodies in the middle of that defensive line uh, that now also has Khalil Mack. So the areas of interest that I look for on this team would obviously be the right tackle position. They signed Brian Bulaga last year, and they, you know, hoped that was going to work out for them long term. But unfortunately, he had some injury history, and uh, you know they had to make they had to move on from him. And now they're probably going to be bringing in a replacement for him. So I look at right tackle, I look at tight end, um, I look at linebacker, um, and to be honest. Although it may not be a pressing need for this team, I also like the idea of them taking a wide receiver in the first round. We saw the benefits of having three wide receivers in Cincinnati and, and the impact that it had on Joe Burrow. So um, I would like to see something similar play out in Los Angeles. So the options that I'm looking at in the first round, maybe a Chris Olave from Ohio State. Uh, maybe you get one of those right tackles, whether that's Northern Iowa's Trevor Penning, um, Central Michigan's Bernard Raymond, Charles Cross from Mississippi State. Those are the primary names that I would be looking at in the first round. For me, linebacker uh, seems like a pretty big need as well. I, I think later in the draft they could address uh, wide receiver, although I don't hate the idea if one of those guys, if one of the Ohio State receivers is there, I would like that. To me, if Drake London falls, I think it would be fun to have Mike Williams and Drake London in the same receiver group. It would kind of be you know, going against the trend of a lot of teams having these smaller, quicker separators, two guys that could really just go up and get it on throws from Justin Herbert. The linebacker spot, though, they lost Kaiser White in free agency to the Eagles. And he, just from watching the Chargers film last year, Kaiser White was that kind of do-everything coverage linebacker that the Chargers now don't have on their defense. I think if N'Kobe Dean is there, if they don't love the receivers, I would certainly be uh, a fan of that selection. Or maybe they dip back into the well with a bigger a bigger linebacker. They picked Kenneth Murray, traded up for him two drafts ago. Chargers fans not panned out. Murray. Yeah, uh, with Devin like Lloyd. Hate but Kenneth I, Murray. I feel like it would be a little bit too similar in terms of the style and the size profile. So if it's not Trevor Penning, a lot of the guys that Josh laid out, N'Kobe Dean being that smaller, a little bit more agile coverage linebacker would make a lot of sense. And then if not, just address offensive tackle or address wide receiver. I, I felt like Storm Norton was kind of good last year. Like, I mean, uh, I mean, I, kinda, I mean, like maybe later, maybe later in the like, season. Prince, yeah. Yeah, like like once he was sort of forced into action, he wasn't nearly as like bad as maybe people thought he would be. Uh, uh, he exceeded expectations. How about that? 
Not yeah, I think that's, like, no, uh, that's I think that's being really nice. And it just felt like from watching Justin Herbert, it was like we saw with the Chargers with their offensive line, the example, a shining example of an offensive line being a weak link system that the rest of the line was actually pretty good. Certainly Rashawn Slater at, at left tackle. I mean, yeah, Slater the interior was wasn't bad. Yeah. The, the interior wasn't bad, but there were so many plays that Keenan Allen's open down the field or Mike Williams is open. Jared Cook's open and Justin Herbert's about to release the football, but then he gets moved off his spot because Storm Norton was allowing a pressure. I think or relative maybe, to this, maybe it was, am I, am I, am I wrong with Storm Norton like miserable and he was just awful? I think he was really bad unless Josh okay. saw something else. No, Josh, yeah, I think Josh Matt Tyler wasn't like, bad. What are you talking about, bro? Like, like <laughs> um, look, again, my memory is shot to crap. I don't know what the hell's happening. Um, but I, I thought, I thought I remember seeing like some good reps from Storm Norton, or, or maybe they're like really bad reps, and I'm trying to re- like I, I remember them thinking like that's amazing how bad that is. I, I could it could be either one. Um, I, I do I do think that there's a chance that they, um, yeah, Max, that's right. Tupi in the chat says, yeah, there's oh my god, that's right. Max Crosby did destroy him, didn't he? Yeah. Okay. All right. Definitely. Um, I'll go back and watch some Storm Norton later on this week. The um, I do think they really like. Josh Palmer, their third round pick that they took yeah. last year, and he's got a yeah. ton of upside. I I think they love Jalen Guyton, although I, you know obviously not as a uh a, like a you know full time outside wide receiver. He's just a really nice complimentary piece. Um, you know, and then Parham and Everett at the tight end position. I, like I, I was sort of thinking out loud, like do they does Tom Telesco feel like adding another weapon on offense is more important than either? I mean protecting his quarterback or improving the defense. Cause I, I think this team has to believe in the third, you know, this is probably your last year with Justin Herbert on, you know, a rookie contract. Like you would think he gets extended next offseason when he's eligible with the way he's played his first two years. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Tom Telesco thinks we need to like shore up any, ma- any major holes the best we can, but I, I don't, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I could, I think wide receivers on the table, They've probably got enough, if unless unless they're thinking about a long term replacement for Keenan Allen, who has three years left on his deal and is probably going to, you know, be let go or or you know, at the end of that because he'll be thirty two. I, mean, I suppose he could resign on a cheaper deal. Well, but anyway, yeah, I think I think what you guys broke down makes sense. And now I'm just sort of reeling about what I my thoughts on <laughs> Storm Norton. Well, I think, you know, when you look at the possibilities in the first round, you're more likely to get a starting caliber offensive tackle in the first round than you would be in the second round or the third round. And if you decided to go wide receiver on day two, then you could kill two birds with one stone um, and still have starting quality players at both positions. And I mean, they've, they've drafted you know, Mike Williams is a really high draft pick in the 2017 class. He was like number nine or something like that, I think. Um yeah, that's uh not a, not crazy picks at all for and, and also we're assuming too that I mean, I guess we're not assuming. We talked about this at ad nauseum with the Saints Eagles discussion the three of us did, but you know, did the Saints move up to like steal Trevor Penning from the Chargers 3 months before the draft? I mean, that you know, again, it seems <laughs> kind of crazy, but uh all right, let's move on. The Kansas City Chiefs have two first round picks. Traps when you look at this team, what are their needs? Who could they, what can they do with these picks? And don't mind me when I point out to you that I think the wide receiver need for the Chiefs is overrated. Yeah, I was going to say that, or, or I guess something similar, and, and this is not the uh, Buffalo area guy in me. I look at the Chiefs roster. Scott Patrick Mahomes, that matters more than anything else. Andy Reid, Eric Bannamy still there. I don't think the roster is really that good relative to the Chiefs being this you know entrenched Super Bowl favorite or contender i think they have needs at edge definitely wide receiver maybe not like they don't have to double up in the first round or pick three of them in this draft because you have patrick mahomes the cornerback room is not very good the safety position needs a lot of work i i could even say on the interior of the defensive line beyond chris jones they don't really have a lot of quality talent there so boye mafe uh jaquan brisker the 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 penn state safety uh, Lewis seen the Georgia safety, any of the top tier cor- uh, cornerbacks. It's really like a team that has to address receiver eventually, but really needs to kind of piece together its defense that I think has played well when it's needed to in the playoffs over the last two or three post seasons, but losing Tyron Matthew, or I guess most likely losing Tyron Matthew. Um, they've had some other no, he's, players. He's, 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 
He's done. He's done. Yeah, he's yeah. done. They signed Justin Reed, but they lost Charvarius Ward. It's just not. If if you look at the defensive roster, you're like, man, where's like the star talent on this defense? So edge rusher, uh, corner, and safety to me are their biggest needs, and they will eventually because they have the extra picks address wide receiver day two or even early day three. I agree with everything that you just said. Uh, at the same time, the reason that they've been able to overcome maybe a less than stellar defense is because they've had this sensational offense. Yeah. Um, and while they did add Juju Smith-Schuster and MVS from Green Bay, um, I still think they need a dynamic player at that position. So I look at Jahan Dotson from Penn State that could be an option for that team in the first round because I don't think without making some moves that they're going to have a shot to get a Traylon Burks or Jamison Williams or one of those guys. The, that by, by the way, the, the buzz on Jamison Williams – I told you, I told you, number one wide receiver is certainly in play. I'm I'm mad that I didn't get it. At a, I got it at five and a half to one, I think. Um, Still good value. Yeah, I think so too, but it was like. I think it was nine to one when we talked about it. Yeah, and I, I wish I'd bet it then. It's like, I, I mean, I mean, I'm not, you know, I mean, I'm not, like between like what you hear and what, you know, what you see other people are hearing as well. I mean, it sounds like, like a lot of people think he's going to be a top 10 pick. Mm. which is which is wild considering he's towards ACL like two months ago. Yeah, if he didn't have the injury, he's a top 10 pick all day. He still yep. might be my top 10 overall, I think. Um, but it's that injury that gives you a little reason for pause. Uh, I think he is the top wide receiver without a doubt if he did not have that injury. Um, but as it stands today, it still would not surprise me if Garrett Wilson or Drake London were the first wide receiver. But I think the gap between those two players and the possibility of Williams being taken first is is very narrow. Um, so I would certainly take that value if you can still get it out there on the market. Um, you know, back to Kansas City, like I said, I think they need some dynamic players at the position. You know, you lose Tyree Kill, uh, you bring in MVS, and while I have talked about how, um, you know, Tyree Kill may not be as effective in Miami without Patrick Mahomes, MVS had Aaron Rodgers. It's not like he was playing with a slouch. Um, so it's not reasonable to think that he's going to have this, you know, drastic jump in production this coming year. Now, Juju, on the other hand, you know, maybe you get a little bit more out of him considering where Ben was at this stage in his career um, or at that stage of his career now that he is retired. But, <laughs> That's right. um, oh, you know, so you swing back to the idea of taking one of those top wide receivers. I also like edge rusher. They need cornerback help. They need linebacker. They could add another interior defensive lineman, everything that Trapp said. But when I look at this team, their offense has always been the calling card for this team. And I think they need another wide receiver to ensure that continues. I, yeah. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree. Like, I think they will probably use one of the picks on a wide receiver. And if, and if, if Andy Reid loves like a guy like Jamison Williams and believes that he can be the next, I don't want to say the next Tyree kill, but because I mean I, I don't know that there's a next Tyree Kill. Um, but if he believes he could be a similar style elite caliber player in this offense, it wouldn't surprise me if Andy Reid wanted to trade up to to go get him. Um and, and if you're offering 29 and 30 in this draft, there are gonna be teams that are willing to give up, you know, a, a pick in or even if it's a second round pick, I think teams will be willing to move back. But if you're the if you're the Carolina Panthers and the Chiefs say, Hey, we'll give you 29 and 30 for six. That's probably not a fair deal on the trade value chart, but you should take it and you should move out of six and get down to 29 and 30. See if a quarterback falls and get a, get another good player for a, for not, for, for not a great, for a roster that is uh, up and coming. I'm again, trying to. Yeah. If, <laughs> if I'm my... Kansas city trying to swing a deal um, and I'm a team that's rebuilding, I'm a team that's looking for additional draft capital that maybe I can use to move around in the future to get a quarterback myself. I would be more interested in a future pick from Kansas City. Give me number 29. Give me a future first-round draft sure. pick because number 30 overall, it can't get much worse. You know, if it ends right, up right, being 31 fair. or 32 next year, you know, that's unfortunate. But I think you stand to gain a lot more if you acquire a future first-round pick from Kansas City. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, um, again, like, I think the, there's talk that Joe, Sharon, Joe Shane, excuse me, of the Giants wants to get out of this draft with – uh, using either seven or ten, excuse me, five or seven, probably seven, I think, or is willing to use seven to gain a, fir a future first round pick, move down, pick up a future first if anybody wants to come up. So if the Chiefs love someone that much, you could do 29 and, you know, next year's first. And even without Tyree Kill, I think you have to figure, I think you have to believe that that pick at worst is like 25, right? 
I mean, you're going to yeah. get to the it, it could it could backfire on you for right. sure. But I, I think I think they'd be it, it would at least consider it. Um, on the, the other thing too, I think is worth mentioning, and I know I'm probably in, the idiot who's going to end up drafting him in fantasy drafts and looking like a fool three weeks into the season. But like Miko Hardman is still a young player. Like Andy Reid used a was it a second or third was he a second or third round pick second. third round pick second second Andy Reid used a second round pick on him like you know we can say we can complain about Clyde Edwards Alaire and Michael Hardman in the drafting all we want but sometimes guys in Andy Reid's system take a couple of years to really get it down and to explode and with no Tyree Kill it stands to reason that Michael Hardman could see more action I'm just saying mm-hmm. can't wait to overdraft him. Uh, Josh, the uh, the Broncos, no first-round pick as a result of the Russell Wilson trade, uh, but certainly will be looking to beef up their team uh, in day two. Do they, have, do they trade us? What's their first pick? First pick is 64. 64, because they had two seconds, I believe, right? They got one from the Rams uh, for the Von Miller for trade. the Von Miller trade, they sent their other second. Yeah, that's right. Okay, yeah. so they're picking 64. Um, I don't know. You don't have to be <laughs> – <laughs> who you got him taking in your 14 round box draft? <laughs> um, so I look at linebacker, I look at cornerback. Uh, the offensive line is as being some positions of need for this franchise. And this is a perfect example of how quickly the NFL can turn because last year we were not even considering a cornerback for the Broncos in the first round uh-huh. uh, because they had a couple of guys, Ronald Darby, Kyle Fuller, and then they go out and they uh, they draft. Patrick Sertan, who had a sensational rookie season. Um, But now it's a need for this team. I mean, they're back in the market. So um, I look at cornerback, I look at offensive line, and I look at linebacker. So some possible fits for the Broncos at number 64, number 75 overall. Uh, I've got Troy Anderson from Montana State, a linebacker, Alabama linebacker Christian Harris. And then I've also got Sean Ryan um, with that third-round pick, who is – a versatile offensive lineman has played left tackle, could possibly slide inside to guard at the next level. It gives you some flexibility um, and an option for, you know, a swing tackle in a pinch. So uh, I think those are some good options for the Broncos on day two. Yeah. What about defensive tackle uh, that they included Shelby Harris in that deal with the Seahawks for Russell Wilson, yeah. um, older player, but he was a pretty good defensive tackle, like three down player, decent pass rusher, good run defender, Venerian Mathis, Matthew Butler, um, would make a lot of sense there at 64. kind of feels like that's where they will ultimately go. And then for corner, Cam Taylor-Britt from Nebraska, Zion McCollum from Sam Houston State, uh, Damari Mathis from Pittsburgh. I think they need a little bit more explosiveness or to just complement Patrick Sertanwell and have two corners on the outside that are not going to get beat over the top, that can play man-to-man, have that elite explosiveness and speed and athleticism down the football field. It, it certainly with adding Russell Wilson and the receiver group that they have along with Albert O at tight end, it's not really, especially early on day two uh, or, or when they pick on day two, it's not really a super sexy pick receiver, pick running back. They have Javante Williams. They have the offensive lines to a certain degree. They'll probably go more on the defensive side for the Denver Broncos. Yeah. I think that stands to reason. Although, you know, you could also make the case that, like, will Russell Wilson get his way? You know, like, like he always wanted to have more input and personnel with the Seahawks. Will he, you know, will – and, I mean, it's tough to do when you first pick a 64 overall, but, like, will the Broncos want to sort of make a, a statement of sorts and, like, get, you know, yeah. get Russ, like, uh, some, like some, some little toy, whether it's an offensive lineman or, um, you know, a, a weapon in the passing game. It, d- it definitely makes more sense to go defense, uh, though, for, for Denver – in that spot. Also, with their first round pick, as a result of the Devontae Adams trade, the Las Vegas Raiders traps. Uh, what are their needs and who can they uh, target? What is their first pick? 86. 86. See, Josh knows this because he just, he just finished his seventh, seven round mock draft that I have due next week. So I'll be able to like point these day two. Oh, first yeah. Selections. I won't know what Josh the is like. Right I won't on. actually. He's I mean, right now on. I know, but like, I, I wouldn't. If we hadn't had this discussion, I wouldn't be thinking about the where the Raiders pick first until I don't know, like six p.m. on Thursday of draft night. Yeah, that's uh, the one thing. Like, that's wait, a bonus. That's the other thing about this draft too. I think that is causing sort of a lack of buzz is that there are so many teams with two first round picks that, and so many teams that don't have a first round pick that the general. So the Bears don't have like. There's no Bears fans freaking out about who their team is going to take. To help out Justin Fields, you know they don't like. There's right. a, there's 
and the Browns. I mean, the those Browns. Are there's, huge like eight, eight, there's like eight or eight, what eight fan bases that aren't even yeah checked in on the on the first round of the draft because their teams don't have a pick. I mean, that's you know that that causes a little bit of you know, it takes a little air out of the room too. No question. Yeah, I think the one thing with the Raiders that could derail this whole Devontae Adams trade and signing Chandler Jones, the offensive line. I feel like Derek Carr behind a pretty good offensive line can be like, a, I don't know, top 12 quarterback in the NFL. Maybe can have some games inside the top 10 or top 7 uh, at times. The interior of their offensive line is not very good. So whenever they pick in the, in the 80s, like Josh said, 87, 86, 87, uh, whoever is there, the best available offensive guard, probably not tackled, but just that interior of the offensive line. Cam Jurgens from Nebraska, I think would be a great pick. Josh already mentioned Sean Ryan from UCLA for the Broncos. Some people see him as a tackle. I think he would be best at guard. Uh, that's just the one thing that as Derek Carr kind of entered his prime, the Raiders offense line was pretty good. And then they trade Rodney Hudson last year. Uh, they have some older pieces. Richie Incognito is no longer playing. It's kind of like a team that's in a rebuilding process up front as they've kind of gone all in at other positions, receiver and on the defensive side. Yeah, I think they've almost pigeonholed themselves into having to take an offensive lineman there with their mm -hmm. first pick. I mean, it's yeah. it's such a big need for this franchise. I mean, Andre James was all right at center last year. You move Alex Leatherwood inside after a brief experiment at right tackle. Colton Miller is, you know, still been very good um, to this point. Obviously, early in his career, there were some questions, but um, has been fantastic over the, the, the past couple of years. Um, I look at Washington State's Abe Lucas, uh, mm. an offensive tackle that could possibly be a fit there for the Raiders in the third round. Where's Leatherwood going to play? Do they say he's a guard or a tackle? I think he's going to be a right guard. Right guard. I think he's right okay, guard. so they would have a need at tackle then for sure. Yeah, which is kind of scary. All right, that's the uh, AFC West again. Only you know, like no Raiders fans, like Raiders fans and Broncos fans. There's pretty rabid fan bases. And it's yep. in Las Vegas. That's, that's oh, unfortunate. True. You know, you, you don't even get to go out and celebrate uh, your your first round pick in your your brand new stadium in the in your own city. That's well. And, and the other thing is like the so like the Raiders and the Broncos don't have first round picks, and it's it's not even for dumb reasons. Like it's for good reasons. You know, like you get Devontae Adams and, and Russell Wilson. So it's not like the fan bases are like ah. You know, they're, they're just they're just like this is great. Like we don't really care that we don't have a first round pick. Like whatever. Um, yeah. The good okay, news is break. when we come back, we'll do the NFC West. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. The Seattle Seahawks do have a first-round pick. Finally, they got the Broncos number nine overall pick. Josh, uh, when you look at this team, there's a pretty clear-cut need at one position, unless you're a Drew Locke truther. Uh, besides quarterback, what else could, do they need? And and what do you think they could do at nine uh, or maybe somewhere else in the draft if they were to slide back a bit? Yeah, this is a team I've had a hard time trying to figure out. Um, I don't know if they're rebuilding. I don't know if they're going all in for this upcoming season. 
Um, but I still think they are the most likely team to land Baker Mayfield. So that would solve mm. the quarterback situation for them without having to use that first round pick. Uh, so in the first round, I look at cornerback as a possible position of need. So Derek Stingley out of LSU, uh, maybe Sauce Gardner from Cincinnati if he's still available. Maybe they go for one of those edge rushers that uh, could still be on the board, whether that's Jermaine Johnson the second from Florida State. Um, I think Trayvon Walker and Aiden Hutchinson will probably be gone by that point. And if I had to guess, Kayvon Thibodeau will probably be gone as well. So, um, and by the way, this is the highest. If if they stay at six or they stay at nine, excuse me, and take a, a pick there, this will be the second highest draft pick that they have made in the Pete Carroll John Schneider era. Only Russell Okung, who they took in the first year at number six, uh, would be higher. And then offensive tackle. I mean, you could you could also go with an offensive tackle because Dwayne Brown remains unsigned. I look at the Seahawks, and I kind of like Josh said, I'm kind of echoing this. I don't understand what they're doing. And to me, I see that roster as DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett. I'm not even really that big of a Jamal Adams fan in terms of how good he is. I, I think he's still overrated. And he's just not a coverage safety. It's That's it. That's all they have. They have two good receivers at different stages of their career. The rest of their team, unless I'm blatantly forgetting someone, uh, is really in need of rebuilding. So at number nine overall, I think they should be in, hey, let's just pick the best available player. If it's Charles Cross, great. If Kayvon Thibodeau falls, awesome. Even if it's Kyle Hamilton, you could say, hey, safety's not really that important. But I think it's a position on the rise in terms of its value. Seahawks, you look at their roster, offensive and defensive rosters and are just like, hey, they need pieces everywhere. They could use an interior pass rusher. They could use a Kayvon Thibodeau. They could use uh, Trevon Walker if he falls, if he's not the first pick. So it's not really like, hey, let's pigeonhole them in to an offensive tackle or, or a guard like we did with the Raiders. They're just really a team that I feel like should probably not re-sign DK Metcalf and trade him while his value is still high before he has a bad season with a bad quarterback. Uh, and then they're kind of in this weird contract situation with him after this season. So best player available all the way for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I would like quarterback, but like Josh said, I think the Baker Mayfield kind of being uh, a little bit immature. I, I think the Seahawks, Pete Carroll, they've long been okay with guys with off field issues that have some drama attached to their name. So if they feel like, Hey, after the draft, we'll, we'll trade for Baker Mayfield or during the draft at a reduced price. Fine. But just go BPA at nine. I mean, I honestly have, like, the Seahawks might be the most confusing team in, in the NFL yes. right now. They have a yeah. 70-year-old head coach <laughs> who just won a power struggle with his future Hall of Fame quarterback so he could trade him to Denver and bring back Drew Locke on a team that has good receiving weapons but really wants to run the ball. They have a their star running back has an injured neck and the former first-round pick, that was a bust, had a great, like, I mean, Rashad Penny, maybe he's the, I, I don't know, the whole thing is nuts. And then you look at the defense and you're like, okay, you want to run the ball and play defense, but you guys aren't good at, like, you're not good at that. Like, you were good at no. just letting Russ loose. And I, I don't think they're rebuilding. I don't think, I don't think they could possibly want to rebuild at, with Pete, given Pete Carroll's age. Maybe this is like Bill Belichick's 2020 take our lumps now and try to get back next year, but also compete, you know, compete, compete, compete. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's pretty hard to look at the Seahawks and, and picture them anywhere, but last place in this division. Yeah. Totally. Even if, I, yeah. I, yeah. Even if they sign Baker Mayfield and, and even if you are a Baker Mayfield truther, which I'm certainly not, but even if you think he can, you know, revitalize his career. Yes. I think like, I think just looking at the other teams in this division that we'll go over, they, they clearly have the worst roster. And even though they have this pick early in round one, have some more selections than they've had in recent history in the draft, I, I think they would have to almost nail almost every one of their picks to be even competitive within their own division. You can kind of see a path though, where it's like Drew Locke is their guy and they, they only, they only let him throw like t 10 to 12 times per game. And it's all bombs down the field to DK and, and Tyler That's Lockett. What he did at Missouri. Yeah. They run the ball well and they just, compress games like just turn them into ugly rock fights and just steal like eight eight wins and people are like this is Pete Carroll what a coach of the year job or I mean yeah I, I don't know I'm it's it's uh it's it's uh 
it's April. It's a little easier to be optimistic. <laughs> I mean, like everybody, everybody thinks they can win the Super Bowl right now, and then you wake up and suddenly your Drew Locke is throwing multiple pick sixes per week. The Cardinals traps are uh, picking twenty third overall. Uh, we have to assume that they will get Kyler Murray in the fold uh, or figure out the Kyler Murray situation and get him back. Uh, what do you think their needs are? And what do you think? Where do you think? Where could they go uh, with that early pick? I have three needs outlined for them as the most pressing. I think edge rusher after losing Chandler Jones seems pretty obvious. Uh, when you do one of those mock draft simulators, and there's like 50 sites that have them now, and you put like trades on, a lot of times the computer. Pew, 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 the computer. Uh, <laughs> traps got kicked out. So, Josh, your thoughts on the uh, Arizona Cardinals? Yeah, so I'm looking at cornerback, which uh, I think Traps was talking about a little bit there. Edge rusher, offensive guard, just that offensive line in general, I think, is an area where they could upgrade. So uh, a few names that I'm looking at in the first round, you've got Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa. I think his floor is probably number 31 overall to Cincinnati because I think they would be foolish not to take him if he was available there. Uh, I also see Dallas as possibly being of interest. Arizona, of course, as I just mentioned. And then there's a few other teams as well, but I don't think he's going to get past number 31. Um, I think that Linderbaum is a good fit for them. I look at Trent McDuffie, really any of those cornerbacks, uh, Trent McDuffie being a cornerback from Washington. And then you've got Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. You've got Kyir Elam from Florida, Kyler Gordon from Washington. All of those are cornerbacks that uh, the Cardinals could be interested in. And then edge rusher. I mean, you, you move on from Chandler Jones. Uh, you lost Hassan Reddick a year prior. So there's a need for that in the organization. I look at Boye Mafe from Minnesota. Um, you know, David Ajabo would have been an option if he, you know, had not suffered his injury. I think he's unlikely to go in the first round at this point. Uh, but those would be the biggest, I think, targets of interest for this franchise as we approach draft day. I'm so used to like my browser crashing just because it's Chrome and this and this iMac is I mean, it could crash right now for all I know. I'm so used to it crashing that I like I don't if it crashes, I'm like, all right, reboot and like see what happens. I'm curious, Traps, what was your what's your level of panic when you crash out of a live stream <laughs> and you and you and you're having trouble getting back in? If it would be anyone else, it would be a lot of panic, but I know how I, chilled out I'll this take podcast that is. As a compliment. <laughs> and I think this this solidifies it that Steve Kime is watching this live right now because I was mentioning <laughs> that doing when I do the uh, mock draft simulators I'm, and I'm obviously not picking for the Cardinals. I just let them run sometimes. And a lot of times if you have trades on the Cardinals, are a team trading up to land an, an edge rusher like Jermaine Johnson or if Kayvon Thibodeau falls, I could see that happening because I think that's their biggest need. But I, I was got kicked out, but I was still able to hear Josh. And I think the, the players that he referenced, if they stay put at 23, Boye, Mafe, uh, a few others, cornerbacks certainly in need. And then I wonder about offensive line. That Cliff Kingsbury has kind of said, like, hey, our system, we really don't need a great offensive line because Kyler Murray's going to get it out quick. He knows this system like the back of his hand. But then you look at their offensive line roster and you're like, man, it probably would help Kyler Murray to not have to run around like Mario back there as much if the offensive line was a little bit better. Like I think DJ Humphreys is a good left tackle. I don't think he's great. And yes, I know that the NFC lost a lot of talent. It's watered down this year, but it wouldn't, I think, be the worst idea. It would actually be pretty prudent for the Cardinals to say, hey, look, we thought that we can just field an average offensive line and be fine, but then we have Aaron Donald in our division. We now uh, you know, have a lot of other quality pass rushers to face every year, maybe we do need some offensive linemen. So it, it might not be edge rusher or corner, which are more pressing needs. Yeah. I mean, I, look, I got no problem. If you want to shore up th anything around Kyler Murray, you know, I mean, you, you know, they, I mean, like you're not going to take a running back in the first round, I don't think, but I mean, you know, like James Connor's a nice player, but to expect him to just be a full blown feature back, is kind of, kind of wild. And, you know, they lose Christian Kirk. There's lots of, there's lots of things they could do. And plus like, Throw your dude a bone when he's when he's taking you know he's taking your pick you know he's, he's whatever the whatever the de Instagram de Instagramification of uh, <laughs> one's profile is like you could you know throw Kyler a bone and be like Kyler look we got this uh, we got this for you because we love you and we want to pay you just quit being a petulant little millennial. <laughs> the Rams, <laughs> Josh, have no first round pick. 
which I believe is a record. Like their last first round pick was Jared Goff, right? I mean, Sean McVay's won a Super Bowl. I don't never had a losing record. He's never never had a first round pick. I mean, he's never dra- had a first round pick that the Rams drafted uh, while he was there on his roster, which is just wild. Uh, how which way do you, how how do we see them going in this draft uh, with their later round picks? Well, I think their first pick is 104 overall. If I read that correctly, it's kind of hard to believe. So I'm kind of second guessing myself now, <laughs> but um, I believe that's where they're going to pick. So you've got to take that, um, you know, with with the context here. I've got. North Carolina offensive guard Joshua Ezaudu um, as a possible mm, fit for name. for uh, the Rams there in the third round because they lost Austin Corbett. They already needed to improve their offensive line. Um, so you bring in a guy like that who, um, for that blocking scene, they typically allow defenders to work uphill. They don't allow them to, um, you know, flow downstream. So I think he would be a great fit for that that blocking scheme moving forward. And then uh, Alabama cornerback Jalen Armore Davis. Uh, is a guy that I like quite a bit and think could be available there uh, if they choose to go in that direction. They obviously lost Darius Will- Williams in free agency. Yeah, that's is, been kind um, of the – or no, go ahead, Will. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, is the – the one of four pick is listed as a special compensatory pick. Is that Brad, – Brad Holmes. Is that the Brad Holmes pick? Yeah. yeah. So they would be picking number 142 overall as their compensatory pick. Were it not for Brad Holmes, who was you know, the, the, the amendment to the CBA where a minority hiring uh, leads to you know special compensatory picks, I mean they would have one. They would be starting with one fourth round pick, and that would be a compensatory pick. Before the compensatory picks were given out, they were starting at one seventy five overall. I mean, f those picks, bro! <laughs> like unbelievable, <laughs> Steve. Um, well, yeah, and and what was funny is that during the Super Bowl that there was that stat where like the Rams, despite all of that were like playing the most or, or like had the most drafted players on their roster. So I think it's more, it's a layer of two things. It's a combination of two things, two layers that less need is really F them picks. Like that's his philosophy as a GM. And also he and his staff and Sean McVay, they have a ton of confidence in the day three selections. They've drafted a, a bunch of not stars, but serviceable types that are, are ready to be compliments to a Von Miller to an Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Odell Beckham Jr. So, uh, yeah, offensive line. I think edge rusher after losing out to the Bills in the Von Miller sweepstakes, Sam Williams from Ole Miss would make a lot of sense. They could stay local and pick Drake Jackson if he falls that far, who's kind of a, a, a raw but but very talented edge rusher. So offensive or defensive line, especially on the edge, make the most sense. And it feels like the system, they can get quality play out of their cornerbacks. I mean, Darius Williams – was not a high draft pick and, and and they got quality production out of him. So if they go corner, I think that would be fine, but it, it's always fun to not only look at the fact that the Rams have not made a first round pick since 2016, but just looking back at their draft history and you're seeing a lot of players that have become serviceable contributors on this roster that were fourth rounders, Joe Noteboom, Brian Allen, the center later pick. Uh, they've done a really good job. Their scouting department on day three of the draft. I mean, Cooper cup was a third, well, I guess that's day three you're talking yeah. about. But yeah, I mean, like, I mean, look at you can you can complain about the Rams strategy all you want, but the reality is that with those first round picks that they gave up, or with all those picks that they gave up, one, they won a Super Bowl, which you know you just justify, you know, the ends justify the means when you win the title. Um yep. two, like the guys they've gotten, like Jalen Ramsey's been a superstar. He was worth you you can't get Jalen Ramsey. Like you're trying, you're just you're trying to draft Jalen Ramsey with a first round pick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to give give up those picks to get him, I think has has certainly been justified. Um, and then Matthew Stafford, like Jared Goff, wasn't it? And Stafford is. So like, I, like I'm not I'm not trying to say that you don't nobody you don't want first round picks. I think they'd love first round picks, but I do believe that the Rams' method of identifying elite like elite level players and then giving up first round picks for those players while also being good enough in the middle rounds to bring in complimentary players has worked out and I, I think it sort of gets lost in the F those picks like shuffle that what they're doing is not exact is not like like it's not just like 
throwing caution to the wind and just lobbing draft picks everywhere. But they're 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 going after clear elite level players at the positions they're targeting. And it's changed the whole NFL, I think, too. Like just from what we've seen this offseason, I think that has been catalyzed by what Les Need and Sean McVay have done by doing exactly what you just explained, Will. So it's kind of like Yes, we all want to copy the team that just won the Super Bowl, but they've been doing this for multiple years and have been right in the thick of things, been to another Super Bowl, always in the playoffs, uh, winning the NFC West multiple times. I I think that philosophy five years ago seemed preposterous and we were laughing at them, but now that they won a Super Bowl and they've been so good, like you mentioned, Sean McDay never having a losing season. And, and they're probably going to be really good again in 2022. Yeah, like it would, absolutely. it's going to take injuries or like, or just some really bad luck for this team to be bad in 2022, I think. Yeah. I think you need to look at the secondary too, and the way that they've evaluated those positions. I mean, you lose Eric Weddle, uh, you lose John Johnson, the third, and what have they done? They've gone and they got Taylor Rapp. They've gone and they got Jordan Fuller. Uh, they've replaced those guys. Um, Terrell Burgess, you know, they've, they've got good players in the secondary. Uh, you lose Troy Hill. You lose Darius Williams. Um, Darius Williams was the one that came in for Troy Hill. And now they've got Robert Rochelle, who they drafted last year, that's probably going to step into a larger role. So, um, you know, what they've done in the secondary has been really impressive. And I think having that flexibility has allowed them to dole out the huge contracts like they have to Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. Yeah, and um, they've gotten lucky that uh, NFL teams are obsessed with plucking offensive um, co- offensive coaches from the Rams. and. I mean, you know, we've seen, I guess Brandon Staley got hired too, so I shouldn't say that. You know, like the Rams have been, Sean McVay has done a very good job of staff management. Wade Phillips was awesome. And then he decided he wanted to go in a slightly different direction. Brandon Staley was awesome. And then Raheem, you know, like, and that that's important, right? You Sean McVay is very good at hiring people and clearly delegating uh, duties and, and, and working as a CEO, CEO type. All right, finally. The San Francisco 49ers. Also no first-round pick. Um, maybe a little more controversial than the Rams' first-round pick because they gave it up for Trey Lance, who saw minimal time on the field in year one traps. Uh, people are still – I think the Trey Lance hive has has cooled a little bit, but as soon as he starts throwing – like sprinting for 70 yard touchdowns and throwing bombs to, to Debo in, in, in mini camp, I'm sure it'll pick right back up. Yeah. I I'm totally on that train already. I think just looking at the history of the Kyle Shanahan offense and we all know, you know, the Brian Hoyer types that he's elevated Kirk cousins, RG three Trey Lance is the most talent, like naturally talented quarterback that he's ever had. I think in terms of just being a quarterback, it's probably Matt Ryan, but like you mentioned, Trey Lance can run for a 70-yard touchdown in the NFL. He's that fast. We saw him do that at uh, North Dakota State. I, I think in terms of fantasy picks, like he's someone that you'll pick later in the draft as kind of your quarterback too, and he could be you know a, a top 10 fantasy score because of what he can do on the ground. So it, to me, it's just the offensive line. It, it's not a bad group up front, but someone that I mentioned before, Cam Jurgens uh, on day two would make a lot of sense. I love him out of Nebraska. Josh's guy, Luke Fortner from Kentucky, who's pretty athletic. Um, like we mentioned before with some other teams, 49ers like their linemen to get lateral. And on those uh, stretch plays, those zone blocking scheme plays, to then bootleg off of that with play action, that's the whole Shanahan system. So they'll gravitate toward this smaller, more nimble offensive lineman. And I think really that's what they need up front, center and guard. The rest of their team with Debo and George Kittle, uh, the defense has, has still remained pretty strong. Nick Bosch is an elite edge rusher. Uh, Eric Armstead still pretty good. I, I, Fred Warner is an elite linebacker. They have the pieces that really help them get all the way to the NFC title game. And I think they've upgraded, certainly, the quarterback spot. So just build the trenches out so, Trent, so Trey Lance is not under pressure a lot in his first year as a full-time starter. Yeah, I'm going to spend my time talking about one player, and it's a guy that Traps has mentioned a few times already. That's Nebraska center Cam Jurgens. Love him. Uh, incredibly athletic player, a guy that was a former tight end coming out of high school. Uh, just, you know, an excellent run blocker. He's tenacious. He's going to finish plays. Uh, but that athleticism is exactly what you look for in a Shanahan wide zone scheme. Uh, you want a guy that's going to be able to make plays in space, and you bring in a guy like Jurgens who can replace Alex Mack that has – He's 36, by the way. Not only 36, but he's followed Kyle Shanahan everywhere in his career. I mean, he started together in Cleveland. He followed him to Atlanta. Now he's in San Francisco. I I remain adamant 
and I'm, I don't, I probably shouldn't even say this to, since the Browns fan is on here, but that the 2014 <laughs> Browns were going to win the AFC North if Alex Mack doesn't get hurt. They were like the top rushing mm. team in the NFL and then first yeah. place in the division when Mack goes down with that broken leg. Yeah, broke his leg against the Steelers. I remember that. Um, and they were one of the best teams in the in the uh, conference at that point. With Brian Hoyer. And then Jimmy Haslam's like, exactly. all right, we got to have Manziel playing. I know. Everything fell Oof. apart after after that knee injury. So that was uh, – it was devastating if you're a Browns fan and they haven't recovered since, um, unfortunately, except for obviously the, the playoff one a couple of years ago. But um, Cam Jurgens, I, I just think, is a fantastic fit for what San Francisco likes to do on that side of the ball. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if that's direction they decide to go. All right. That, uh, that'll do it for us, man. Shout out to the AFC West and NFC West divisions for not having four teams in their first round picks <laughs> shave 12 minutes off a podcast when, uh, when that happens. All right. Um, anything else from these, uh, from these divisions or, uh, any other draft news and notes nuggets now, you know what, let's get out of here. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk again plenty next week. Uh, thanks as always, boys. You, you guys are fantastic for traps for Josh. I am Brinson. We will see you guys later. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you, I can waste another weekend doing the same old, whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all new Santa Fe is available with H Trek all wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best in class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So, which is it? Waste the weekend? or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.